Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report right here on the Believe Podcast Network. This week's guest, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Eric spends 12 months out of the year breaking down the draft, looking at prospects, figuring out fits for each one of the NFL franchises. This guy honestly has forgotten more about the NFL draft than most of us will ever know. So I wanted to get him on. He's already been on once. You guys really liked him. Wanted to get him back on the podcast for a post-draft Patriots-themed look at some of New England's draft picks. So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to run down a few other things when it comes to Patriots in the offseason. But first, want to let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. And don't forget this weekend, as the run for the roses is on at the Kentucky Derby. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, let's get to our conversation with Eric Edholm. Eric, I'm going to start with a real simple question. Was Cole Strange a reach for the Patriots at number 29? Yes, but that doesn't mean that he can't become a good player. I mean, obviously, that's, I think, a conclusion a lot of people have reached. And yet, you know, I haven't been able to find a team, and it's not like I've pulled the other 31 on this matter. I know it's a pressing issue close to you guys, but <laughs> I haven't been able to find one that that would have taken him prior to the Patriots' second-round pick. Now, you know, I mean, again, you could argue that they just had a different value system or they, you know, view him as having a higher ceiling than other teams did. And that's certainly happened in the in the annals of pro football history before. But, um, you know, just the question is, did they maximize their value? And, you know, from a league perspective, you, the, the argument certainly leans towards no. But again, I mean, you know, I'm sure there were similar conversations around Logan Mankins and I'm not comparing the players because, you know, Cole Strange does not have Logan Mankin's power, for instance, but, you know, there's still absolutely a path for him to become a good player and possibly a day one starter. I think it's a fascinating pick and it could signal a change in how they do business on offense because he's not sort of the same mold of guard that we've we've seen in in recent years for them. So it just it's kind of interesting on a couple of uh, you know levels. The complaints that a lot of people up here had really centered around them not taking either a linebacker or a cornerback. Was there someone there at 21 or 29 that you could have seen them going after as a potentially better fit for this team at this stage of the the franchise? Yeah, it was tight. 21, yes. I mean, I think obviously two guys that I would have pegged to them, uh, Quay Walker, the linebacker out of Georgia, went, I believe, the next pick uh, after they traded down. And then the guy who ended up in that selection was Trent McDuffie. At 29, it's a different discussion. I think it's probably Andrew Booth who ended up going uh, mm-hmm. early in round two um, for you know corner who kind of meets their their physical thresholds and and you know style of play and that sort of thing. I guess you could make a case for Kyler Gordon who also went um, uh, in the early second round, I believe, to Chicago at 39 or something. So, you know, I mean it. It was tough when Devin Lloyd went off the board at 27. He was a player that certainly fits, you know, their their style of player, I think. You know, he's got good length. He's a good athlete. He's instinctive. He really took a big play, uh, jump in his play last year, I thought, and uh, 
it was facile in pass coverage. He blitzed. He did a lot of different things for him. He's, his leadership was considered to be strong to very strong. And so, you know, that was a player that I think a lot of people had connected with New England. And so maybe he was a possibility there. Maybe it was always strong, uh, strange rather. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought it through a lot. And it, it's not like I despise the, the pick with the fire of a thousand suns or anything, but <laughs> like some people might. But it, it was curious. I mean, I, I definitely looked at a player and said, mm, you know, he was 91st on my board. I thought he easily could have gone late second, early third but I didn't necessarily see him going before the mid second round, I would say. So tell Patriots fans, maybe casual Patriots fans, what kind of pick are they getting with Cole strange? I know that you brought up the Mankins <laughs> analogy. Right. Um, we've talked about it a little bit up here that, Hey, it's a guard taken at the end of the first round, small school guy, bit of a nasty attitude. There's some parallels to be drawn there, between sure. Mankins. but, but tell people <laughs> what kind of guy the Patriots are getting at number 29. Yeah, I think really smart and competitive are, are the two first things that stand out. I mean, it was it was kind of fun hearing his story and how he's, uh, you know, taking a, a longer route. I mean, he was, I think, at one point supposed to go to, uh, you know, Air Force, I think, was in the mix. Mm -hmm. And he didn't really have it, you know, like trying to figure out where he was going to go to college. And, you know, he had committed to one school and then left for, for Chattanooga and you know, he uh, or I guess he maybe even started at Air Force. I can't remember the exact details of it, but you know, a little bit of an older guy is going to turn 24 during training camp, if I recall, and, uh, you know, worked his way up was, was, you know, had a couple really strong games against Tennessee. And that was, you know, I think one of the, one of the games that definitely, uh, you know, got his name on the map, you know, pretty good length and good hand size. I mean, I wouldn't say great length, but okay. You know, I mean, I, he could play center like he did at the, at the senior bowl. I thought pretty, uh, pretty well. I believe he may have started a game or two in college at center, but he was mostly a guard. They did have him to kick out to left tackle for one game last year, too. And, uh, you know, I mean, all the the Patriots, you know, boxes are checked, like leadership, you know, intelligence, toughness. You know, one of the things that really kind of stood out in my mind about him in, uh, in Mobile was that he seemed to struggle with the power players, like the, you know, the Travis Jones from UConn. It was, a, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a bully. You know, he had a little bit of trouble with uh, one of the Oklahoma linemen. I think it was Isaiah Thomas. I can't remember if it was him or Perry and Winfrey, but one of those two guys was also giving him a little trouble in pass protection. Some of this was obviously adjusting to, you know, playing the center position like he did or, or just, you know, the, the, the step up in competition. But, you know, every time he lost a rep, and these reps are slanted, I think, in favor of the defensive linemen. So, you know, losing a, a rep, you know, as an offensive lineman is not a big deal there, but he'd lose a rep and then his next rep would always be exceptional. Like he'd always win the next one. So, you know, there was obviously a learning curve for him and, and uh, you know, a competitiveness that stood out, you know, he started, you know, some games against power five teams. He played a lot of football at Chattanooga since 2017. And, you know, the, just the question is how high is his ceiling? Is he ever going to be Quentin Nelson? I don't think so. You know, but if you can get, a player who eventually becomes a top 10 guard in the league, you know, can that mitigate some of the, you know, the reachiness of the pick? Absolutely. So it just, I think it's just clear at this point that, that Bill has a certain type of guy he likes to look for and, you know, they have a smaller draft board than some teams do, I suspect. So, you know, this is a kid who's a self-made player. He's worked for everything he's had. And, uh, you know, it'll be fascinating to see if he can come close to, to meeting, you know, the expectations that come with a late first round pick.
you tweeted something toward the end of the second round that I thought was really good. You said the Patriots, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, basically drafted Logan Mankins and Bethel Johnson, referring, of <laughs> course, to, to Strange and Tyquan Thornton. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, and maybe that speaks to, you know, Bill's looking for a particular kind of guy, you know, and, and it's been fairly consistent over the last, you know, 15 years or so. But, but yeah. tell me a little bit about Thornton. Is his slight build a concern? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, people were talking about the fact that he had skinny ankles and skinny wrists. You know, anytime that a, a scout mentions those things, you know, you get a little concerned because obviously, you know, that the the strength is, you know, the to, to get off press coverage. Now, there's some things you can do to, you know, circumvent that if you want. But, you know, that that's a, a little bit of a concern in terms of where you can line them up and against what press, you know, what coverages and things like that. And the, the consideration for injury is higher, you know, the possibility of, of getting hurt and, and those sorts of things are always a little bit higher for, you know, the, the leaner uh, mass guys and the, and the less uh, the muscled frames out there and everything. So, but, you know, he really did, I think, take off last year and have a, a strong year. You know, he was a player that had always had the reputation of being a little bit of a tease, you know, I mean, his, mm-hmm. his deep speed was, you know, evident the minute he got on campus, it was a Baylor program that was gutted by, you know, uh, NCAA violations and, and everything that happened there. And, you know, he was able to, you know, win a job pretty early in his career, but never quite consistent enough, I think, until this past season. Now, they didn't throw him a ton of passes, but, you know, when they did, he made made them, you know, hurt. You know, I mean, he stung opponents with not just deep balls, but, you know, kind of a three-level threat. So it was – uh you know, there was the sense that he kind of, you know, Thornton kind of realized that a, a, a tough 2020 season, which he wasn't really used that much. It seemed like his his focus was a little off. He realized, you know, if I have, you know, I've got a kid, he's got a young son. I don't know exactly how old, but, you know, if I want to take advantage of this opportunity, now is the time. And he did. And he had a, a really good year, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of long touchdowns. And I felt like he showed a little more toughness than, than what we saw earlier. I watched one of his 2020 games and, you know, you could see some of the alligator arms and, you know, kind of bracing for contact and it was different. I mean, he, he seemed to almost invite or enjoy those, those over the middle grabs that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a, you know, a six, 380 pound, you know, beanpole receiver but he did it and so I was impressed I mean he made my top 100 you know I mean he was he was actually pretty close to to Cole Strange in the rankings I want to say like 95 or 6 or wherever he was on my list but um, again you know another player that some teams didn't necessarily feel was worth the risk even though he does have that world-class vertical speed I'm wondering if you saw a lot of you talked about you know being able to beat press coverage off the line I'm wondering if you saw from Thornton when it comes to his college tape how much pre-snap motion, the jet sweep stuff, the the stuff that we've seen from a lot of Patriots receivers over the yeah. last few years, do you think he's capable of handling that at the next level? I, I would guess so, but I mean, as any rookie receiver, you know, and I, it's funny you mentioned this because you called me right when I was working on a piece about how the Packers have, have really not had a lot of rookie receiver success, and I would say that, you know, maybe it's not quite as dramatic, but it certainly applies to the Patriots too for, for myriad reasons, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously a kind of a hallmark of what they do. And, you know, you're going to have to learn a lot of things. I think the smart approach with, with a guy like Thornton, considering they are technically deep at the position, right? It may not be the most inspiring group of receivers ever, but they are deep. I mean, I think would be to try him inside a little bit more. He didn't line up there much, you know, I mean, I, I'm 
trying to remember the, you know, the games I watched and what I saw, I would say he, he drifted in there, you know, four or five plays a game or something like that. And predominantly lined up outside, you know, left side, right side, but still outside, that's where he, you know, speed is typically featured, but you know, you see more teams being a little bit more creative, either using motion or lining up guys inside if they do have trouble getting off that press. And um, so that's certainly one way of doing it. And I think, you know, this is just me guessing. I don't you know, have any insight into I don't even know who their offensive co- coordinator is, but I would imagine that they they'd have to, you know, give him a. a a, a smaller diet of plays so that he can just master those, you know, and say, here are the, you know, the, the, the 20 plays we want you to get down or whatever, some, some portion of the playbook that, that isn't quite the whole thing and, and learn those first. And then we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the, of the effort. So, I mean, I mean, the, the, I'm trying to think of the game, the, the TCU game was probably the one that impressed me the most. It was a little bit later in the season. I thought he was really good. I remember watching the Oklahoma state game. I think and it wasn't, you know, it was okay. You know, he had, uh, I would say a so-so game, but you know, I mean, he's, he's really, really interesting. His hands were good last year. That's the thing that, you know, it's not like this is a kid who just drops passes and, you know, he's sort of this sloppy route runner. I just think it's just a little bit raw all around. And if they can harness it, he's going to be better than Bethel Johnson or whoever, you know, I don't know who else they've had in that, that mold before, but I can't think of too many. Marcus Jones, third round pick to me, seems like maybe the most intriguing guy who they got. And certainly someone whose versatility will play a role in him landing playing time sooner rather than later. Where does he fit in new England this year? And could you see him doing multiple things once he kind of gets his legs underneath him? Yeah. I mean, of all their picks, this was the easily the most like classic predictable Patriots pick. I mean, if, you know, if you'd have told me Friday morning, Marcus Jones is going to be the 90 whatever pick to the Patriots, I would have said, yep, that's that's about right. You know, <laughs> I mean, a super competitive kid, short, obviously not, you know, the big guy at all, probably a slot guy, I would think. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure he could he could play outside and, and he's done it a little bit. But I mean, in the NFL, I think that's really where he's going to be best. And obviously on kick and, and punt returns where he was a star. That's really where he you know, I mean, made his name, I would say. And again, it's not like his cornerback play wasn't uh, admirable, but I think it was the, you know, especially the the SMU game. I don't know if you saw the game where he basically had a walk-off return touchdown, mm-hmm. a kickoff with about 20 seconds left or whatever it was. So, yeah, it was just, you know, he had so many moments like that where he changed games with his speed on uh, on returns. And, and also after the interception, too, he had a ton of picks in college, you know, he was a transfer from Troy. Is that right? Troy. Troy I think. Yeah. yeah. And then the last two years, I would say he, he and uh, Demarion Williams were really, you, you noticed the difference. I remember talking to, to somebody down there who said when either or both of those guys were out of the lineup, it felt like the secondary was naked. Like they just had such a level of trust with both those guys. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Williams ended up in Houston with the Texans. Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I, the only big worries are, you know, can he can he deal with, you know, if he ever is matched up with a bigger receiver, how does he handle that? And then also some, you know, some little injury stuff that cropped up. And anytime a smaller guy is there, you wonder, you know, will, will durability be an issue? But tough, smart, competitive, you know, physical comes down and defends the run really well. I mean, I, I feel like he's he's just sort of a classic New England pick in a lot of ways. 
he did play a, a little bit of wide receiver in college and could, receiver. Could, could you yeah. see him do it? I mean, again, kind of once he gets his legs underneath him, I, I know multiple people have said, Hey, look, don't be surprised if Belichick tries him in multiple spots. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, like a, a, a fake on a punt or something, he'd be the guy you'd want to throw to if he's your, your gunner or whatever, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing, even if he isn't, you know, moonlighting on offense or he has one play that they run with him or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see him obviously be uh, involved in, in multiple ways. You want to get the ball in his hands. He's He's got some real wiggle to him and some really good, ex, uh, exciting athleticism. So, you know, he's he's a he's a physical kid for for he's almost built like a little running back or something like that. I don't know how to explain it. He's not you know, he's not large, obviously, but uh, he, he's he's got some uh, some toughness to him. And I think he'll 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 be one of the picks that I think you can count on early to provide something for you. What is it about Bailey Zappi that drew the Patriots to him other than the fact that New England has always been historically aggressive when it comes to going after quarterbacks? Yeah, right. I mean, I think they have a certain type they like, which is tough, accurate, smart, you know, and that's that that's really his game. I think, I mean, the, I would say that the natural feel for the passing game, you know, you, you, you pick that up after throwing the ball 1500 times in your, your college career or whatever it was, maybe more than that. I mean, he had, you know, obviously 62 touchdowns last year speaks for itself. He was throwing a TD every 10 passes. It was incredible. But, you know, for, for somebody to go from Houston Baptist and then up to Western Kentucky and have the year he did and, uh, you know, improve his efficiency across the board and his, you know, his production, I thought was really, really impressive. And I mean, I guess it's probably, you know, parallel wise, you could say it's sort of similar to drafting Jacoby Brissett the year after taking Garoppolo where, was it a necessity? No, but it ended up kind of being one after Tom got suspended. So you never know. I mean, it, I just think they felt like at that point, you know, there wasn't a player probably screaming to them at, at a non QB position that they felt like, Oh, we have to have this guy or we're going to miss out. But you know, he's, he's, he's limited physically. His arm strength is nothing special. Um, his physical traits. I mean, he he'll move around a little bit, but he's not a scrambler. I mean, there's just, it's almost like a poor man's Mac Jones in a lot of ways. So I know Mac was the poor man's whoever, but still, I think I see that a lot. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for a, a smart backup who can be in that position and, you know, and, and challenge Mac mentally and challenge, you know, have a, a real competitive room. Obviously if Brian Hoyer's the other guy, I mean, that's, that's three pretty smart quarterbacks right there, and uh, it's a good thing to have, I would say. Is there a guy amongst these draftees who we should be talking more about that we're you know we're just, just he's kind of sailed under the radar to this point? Yeah, give me give me give me some of the other names. I'm just blanking off the top of my head. Who? It oh, was no, no worries, yeah. no worries. Yeah. Andrew Stuber, the seventh oh, yeah. round pick. Yeah, the Let, offensive line. I mean, he, he's a guy for me who I think has a chance to come in and make an impact if everything works out for him. Uh, Kevin Harris, the running back, Zappi, yep. Pierre Strong, another running back out of oh, South yeah. Dakota State, Jack Jones, cornerback out of Arizona State. A anyone out of that group who we should be talking more about? Well, let's let's go with Stuber. I'll go in kind of reverse order here. I mean, I, I thought he was much better than a seventh-round pick. Like, value-wise, that was probably one of their better selections, I would say, just because I thought – I don't know. I was thinking fourth, fifth round. So I don't know. Again, I mean, this is a weird year. There were some players who got, you know, drafted two, three rounds ahead of where they went and two, three rounds later, they went some who went on draft that I was shocked by. There's probably more of those this year than I can recall in recent years, but guard tackle versatility, 
you know, I would say decent length. I mean, I think he, he ends up probably, they try him at tackle and maybe move him inside if they need, need to again, smart, tough, competitive. It's sort of a, a recurring theme here, but it really does, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the makeup right there. And from what I was able to tell, I, he, he really seemed to, to take a step last year and, and become that guy. And obviously Michigan's season reflected a lot of that, but you know, there was a, I, I want to say he, I think he suffered a knee injury in 2019 and then yeah. the 20 season there was kind of some some sluggishness in his play and he's not a great athlete you know i mean he didn't his workouts were from what i remember not that special but you know again it just sort of feels like this is a player with the the, the right mentality and the right you know um enough you know obviously enough, enough physical traits with the length and everything jack jones is fascinating too obviously it, you could make a parallel a little bit to JC Jackson in the sense that Jackson went undrafted for character reasons. I believe I think he was way too good to be, he went undrafted, right? I mean, I'm not yeah, making that yeah. up, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And that was a shock. Cause he was a day two or day three talent. I would say, you know, coming out of Maryland and he was a good player. Uh, but there was enough concern, I guess that there certainly a day three player, but yeah, he got undrafted and, you know, this was obviously a case of the Patriots kind of jumping the gun a little bit and saying, you know, we probably think he he will get picked at some point here. So, you know, similar size to Marcus Jones, um, but I think he's, you know, his game sort of looks maybe a little bit more comfortable on the outside. And that's where he played a lot in college, but a lot of immature stuff, a lot of a lot of off the field concerns um, at that point in the draft. It's probably worth the risk. He was a good foot. I mean, I feel like I've been watching him for like four or five years now or whatever, but, um, and I have a couple guys that I, that I lean on on the West coast and both of them had mentioned him like a really good player. If you can, if he's accountable, if you can trust them. So, you know, that's, that's one to watch. Cause you never know. I mean, obviously they're, they're certainly looking at the position and that's one you got to file away and boy, Pierce strong. I tell you what, I, I had a real soft spot for him cause he was just such a fun runner and he could turn the jets on. I mean, you know, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by him running under a four, four and maybe speed isn't the most impressive running back metric ever, or the most, you know, uh, tantamount to NFL success or whatever. But I mean, he, you know, he beat up FCS competition. And then when they played, I think it was Colorado state, Steven Ozio, I believe last year. Uh, I mean, he tore him up. So he's, he's got speed. He's got a tough little compact frame. I think there's a little bit of limit to his game and that he's, Probably never going to be a true between the tackles guy, but I mean, natural hands, good receiving production over, over four years and just that home run ability. I mean, he really, you know, doubles, triples and home runs are, are really what he does. So I think that has to be appealing as a possible James White replacement down the road. Um, and then Harris, you know, is a tough little guy. I mean, I think that this also maybe you could tell me if I'm off on this, but I, I would imagine this, this kind of signals a little bit of a shift from, Damian Harris, I'm confused by all these guys with the same name, Jones, Harris, whatever. <laughs> but maybe next year he's he's the 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 other uh, Harris replacement. I don't know. Where are you thinking that at all? Or is that yeah, kind of they, these two guys, given the way Bill handles his running backs and seeing the way these two guys run in college anyway, I one of these two guys is gonna rush for like nine hundred yards in like you know a year or two. It, <laughs> right. it just feels like yeah. 
that, you know, we're going to be talking about them in the same way that we talk about Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis now. That yeah. These guys who kind of come out of, I don't want to say nowhere, yeah. but uh, again, given the turnover in that running back room, the way that he handles them and the importance of the running game, you know, with a young quarterback like Mac Jones, these guys are going to be in the mix sooner rather than later. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's enough special teams versatility in, in some of them, you know, obviously with, with Harris, I think he's more, you know, you could, you could actually picture him, you know, competing on those, those coverage units, but, you know, obviously Jones as well, strong, you would figure has some kind of uh, special teams ability too. So that factors in. And, and if, if memory serves, I think Kevin Harris was one of the, had one of the better fumble rates of all the backs. I remember looking at the list, like, you know, per touch rates and stuff. I think he only he lost like one or two fumbles in his career. So he was, one of the top two or three backs, I think, in this class in terms of ball security. So that, you know, it's just another thing that like he's Stephen Ridley without the fumbles, basically, I guess, if I could portray it that way. It's interesting running down these names and we talk about Bill's overall approach to drafting. There are multiple guys on this list this year who went to multiple colleges. That's and yeah. I don't know maybe what that says about them or Bill's overall drafting approach, but you know, we can go, you know, we talked about strange. We talked about, you know, Jack Jones. Mm. There, there are multiple guys on this list who've been to multiple places already. Yeah. Good observation. I hadn't thought about it like that. And obviously with the portal being what it's been the last, you know, yeah. year plus or whatever, but, but still, I mean, you know, it's funny because I did have a conversation with somebody at the at the combine about this, and I just sort of asked, like, what, what have you have you noticed an effect? Like, what's been the the? And I think there was there's a little bit of a two sided nature to it. One, on the one hand, you say, well, it can really open up an opportunity. Look at Jermaine Johnson, right? He was buried on the Georgia depth chart, transfers to Florida State, has a breakout year, and becomes a first round pick. That's a success story, you know, no question, right? It was an elite talent who just happened to be in the place with the most elite talent in the country. <laughs> so uh, that worked out for him. Other guys, though, they transfer, get to a situation, unfamiliar staff, unfamiliar teammates, this and that, maybe a different system, and it can it can flat out bust. I mean, I obviously can't think of one right off the top of my head, but there are definitely cases where players feel like, all right, now I'm going to go to this place and, and finish things off, and, and it doesn't work out that well. So it's possible you can you could look at a prospect where you say he wasn't used correctly this past year or he just didn't fit in for whatever reason but we've seen enough of him to know hey that pass tape was was pretty alluring you know we liked something we saw before and had he you know and we'll use him a little bit differently and and that's why we think he's going to break out so uh, yeah i hadn't considered that that element but um it does sort of add a little bit of a wrinkle to to evaluations Last question for me a long time ago. I heard from a person connected with the NFL that one of the prerequisites for a successful draft is to be able to land three long-term starters. With that being said, and with the understanding that, look, a lot goes into that, give me the three names, in your opinion, who have the best chance of becoming long-term starters for the Patriots and why. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to say Tyquan Thornton can be a long-term starter. I mean, that's that's my personal take. I think he could be the the big play guy, you know, the injection of, of, uh, of energy into that offense and, and big, big play threat. So he's one that I'm a little bit kind of leery of, of that group of the top guys, but I would say, you know, would it stun me if Marcus Jones ends up being a 10 year pro in new England? No, you know, Cole strange, a 
five or six year starter at guard for New England center, maybe after, uh, you know, in a couple of years or something. No, not at all. So those two are the first ones who come to mind. Finding a third one is a little bit trickier. I don't, I mean, saying that Andrew Stuber is going to be a 10 year starter is a, <laughs> I mean, that's a reach for me even, you know, but I guess Jack Jones would be the one who, if, if he can handle, you know, the responsibility that comes with being a Patriot, you know, it's, it's Spartan work. You know, I mean, it's hard being a Patriot because they demand a lot of you and physically, mentally, whatever he has the ability to be a, I mean, he's had some really competitive battles with some good talented wide receivers over the years and, and fared better than you'd, you know, you'd, you'd hope for. So that's the one that I would say of those, of those high picks that makes the most sense. I mean, you know, it's tough for strong in the numbers game. Same with Harris Zappi. He's not going to start anytime soon. You know, the other guys are more projects. Um, I didn't really get to see much of the Northwest Missouri state kid, but you know, I've heard good things. I don't know from, from some of the guys who, who pay attention to those, that level of football, but I would say it has to be the two Joneses and strange are the most likely to, to, to fill that void. I'm going to go Marcus Jones, Cole Strange, and then I'm going to combine one of the two running backs. I'm going to just take one of the two. I can see it. Yeah, see just it. The, but again, both the way they run, the way that Bill uses running backs, the constant turnover in that room, it, it's got to be one of those two guys again. So look, yeah. this this has been great. Eric, thank you so much for filling in some of the blanks here yeah. when it comes to this Patriots draft class, one of the most interesting Patriots draft classes that I think we've had here in a long time. Tell people where they can read your stuff and how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, they could read my low Patriots draft grades over at Yahoo Sports. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone else did too. So I'm off the hook. And uh, on Twitter, Eric with a C underscore Ed Holm, E-D-H-O-L-M. And Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for always uh, having me on. I do appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Hey, when's your 2023 mock for your, your first mock for 2023 coming out? Don't you dare. Don't even ask. <laughs> no, I, 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 I put out a list of about, uh, what was it? 20, 25 guys the other day, just the, the big names, you know, and I, and I nailed a few last year too. So obviously they're, their names to check in on. I, I think my, I usually drop my first mock around Halloween. So we got a lot of time to prepare. Love it. I'll be looking for it. My friend, take care. <laughs> right. and we'll talk again Thanks, very, buddy. very soon. You got it.